gonna be honest guys i don't stand for it i don't i will not stand for any sort of illegal gameplay or maneuvers of any kind no illegal maneuvering none of it cheaters don't prosper and as long as i'm here there will be no cheating in this league none of it i'm not gonna have it guys i'm putting my foot down get him sheriff avril for the children for the children (laughs) okay florida mayhem you cheating team you i'm looking at you keeping my eye on you bunch of cheaters in that team you cheaters Anyway, it was, it, was pretty, it was actually pretty cool, though. I actually thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. No more, uh, no more of that, though, guys. No more shenanigans. Mm-mm. No more cheesing. No uh, more fun. No more fun. Fun police yeah, no detected. Fun. This is a sport. This is a sport. No fun. True. You know? You don't get to do that in my game. We did try to be the NFL, and we all know what that stands for. The No Fun League. Only Satisfaction. Listen, the amount of money. Listen, the amount of money that the league makes. I, I, I couldn't give a flying fuck how much fun they have. It's just, you know, what I'm saying. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So anyway, let's talk about our first topic. PGL Major Antwerp. What do we think? <laughs> um, personally, a little bit upset that Renegades already got knocked out. Ah, oh, lucky the homers are gone. I saw a Reddit comment on um, because, like, of course, the the broadcast uh, quality was like part of the issue this weekend, and like mm-hmm. someone posted on Akau that the major is being cast at 4K, and one of the top mm-hmm. Reddit comments in that thread replying to something like when I was lo- watching, I saw like 50 upvotes or something, and uh-huh. the comment was. I tuned in and someone looked at an angle for 20 seconds. Then the round was over and everyone cheered. I don't get this. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone cheered. Uh, But at least they're not cheating in that league, huh? True. Well, ask those coaches. Ask those coaches. Unless there's a spectator bug, in which case, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. They did do that. They did do that. Or well, you know, Asian Valorant, a lot of cheating in Asian Valorant that goes undetected. Oh, um, uh, my favorite comment, my uh, my favorite, not even a comment. It was the title of that thread. It was just the the premise of the thread. The entire existence was funny to me because it was like, "See, Counter Strike can stream in 4K. There's no excuse." I'm like, "There never has been. Like, when? <laughs> what do you mean? Like, when was when, there when, ever? When, when has there been an excuse? Like, we all know it's possible to stream yeah. in 4K. Overwatch League knows it's possible to stream in 4K. We yeah. fucking had that years ago. It's like this is not a new discovery. It's like I don't know. It's like someone just discovered fire. It's like guys, we have fire now. Cooked food. There's no. It, it is just. There's just no excuse. You know, you must cook your food. No excuses now. Come on, guys. It's like, what the. F- we, we fucking know. What do you mean? Like, yeah. you just, you, you haven't made a discovery here. Like, we no. all know you can stream in 4K. Like, what, what was the, what was the point? I don't get it. Like, dude, like the, one of the most successful strategies to get people to like you is the dunk. You know, the piling on. You see, mm-hmm. like, that, that's basically like, that's also what we I do. that weekly, Yiska. I do that weekly. No, like, what you do is you're, down there first on the pile you you got the robber okay and everyone else jumps on top 
and they get all the social credit, the brownie points, while you're suffocating on the bottom. You know? Like, you die on hills so others can stand on top of you. I know that. That's I'm just a selfless person, you know? Uh... I'm here to serve. Hey, I, I plant the trees for which I know the shade is not for me. Mm. You know? Yeah, I'm just... But you're throwing a lot of shade at the same time, too, though. I know exactly. This does get deeper. Double entendre. It gets deeper. There we go. So, um, yeah. No, to be honest, guys, to be honest, I, I said this already, but, you know, just in case, like, something weird happens tonight. I forgot we had a recording, so I did have a bit <laughs> drink. I'm a little bit drunk. What it is. It is what it is. It's one of those. That's, those are the best episodes, <laughs> historically. It is. It is. They are quite good. To, to which my critics would say, like, aren't you drunk every episode <laughs> with some of your takes? I'm like, yeah, but no, this time, like, I actually am. So, you know. <laughs> this time it's with passion. This, this time, time it's alcohol before it was hubris. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, PGL's happening. MSI's happening. Is there any other esport that happened last week? Mm. Any other esport that's been happening? I think mm. Overwatch was on, but oh, I'm not sure. Shit. Crazy. Sometimes when the stream worked. Hey, didn't we do a co-stream? Oh, we shit. did. We did. If you caught that live, you're the real one. Um, maybe we'll do another one. Who knows? If they hop we'll Sorry, Sideshow side already leaked the, uh, the ins and outs of that one. So truth is, we don't know when another one's going to happen. Nope. So whenever, whenever when it happens, we'll see you there know. probably if we, you know, assuming all, all goes well, we'll see you there. Yeah. Um, it was fun. It was a good time hanging out with chat. Yeah. It uh, obviously wasn't ideal times for. No, it wasn't. The it majority really wasn't. of anybody. Um, you just say and... me. It was not an ideal time for me. <laughs> it's like, but but a clock in the morning for you. Yeah, man, that was. They had pretty lot. good this year in Europe. Like, yeah, like i'm still staying up like until 3 a.m on a sunday and get to work on at 8 a.m again i mean this sucks mm -hmm. a little but it was way worse during the hawaii weeks man never bring that shit back like that just ruined my social life for a while like at, at some points it actually was so bad that it then turned good because i mm -hmm. could go out with the others like just to to like go to bars don't drink anything come home at 4 a.m and interview the dallas fuel and, yeah. like Dude, your your social life is going to see every new movie and then sometimes just like not even watching the movie or like doing something else. Yeah, you're just listening to a podcast no, about like Isaac yeah, Asimov. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, that's that's actually how you should describe it. It's I'm listening to podcasts in a theater environment. That's that's <laughs> usually what I do. So what you're doing is you're paying to listen to a podcast. Yeah. I have a movie subscription where I pay twenty three bucks a month. And I can get go into as many movies as I'd like, but I'm paying for twenty bucks of food every time, so I guess it's not that cheap. <laughs> yeah, joke. Yeah, got him. Jokes they gotcha. So, two thirty-one. We actually do have things to talk about. Things happened. Yes. Two thirty-one. Brought to you. Was it any other small bits and pieces? Oh yeah, we got a live game mm. between Dallas and Houston. I'll bring that up in a second. Mm. Uh, what else happened? Yeah, we know the stream. The stream quality is bad. Yeah, we know. True. Um, 
Oh, now maybe. Uh, okay. Maybe this will be the fun part when APAC starts up again, whenever that happens, mm-hmm. and the Billy the Billy Billy production is doing that again. The stream quality should be pretty damn good, hopefully, because they had no issues last year. True. So let's hope, yeah. If all if all goes well, the APAC stream quality should be decent. Mm. So mm-hmm. got that going for us. Go on, Joe. You had something. Oh, I just uh, I think it's important to give a give a shout to the league. If it, I think we'd be a little remiss, you know, naming yeah. the rookie of the year award after alarm. Sure. Rest in peace. Always remember. Couldn't think of a better recipient of such a such an honor. Yeah. And uh, you did a good you did a good league. You did a good. Thumbs up. Yeah. Agreed. And obviously. Uh, thank you for letting us co-string. Yes. Um. Yes. New disc looks pretty good. Yeah, I love the truck. Truck's pretty good. Good truck is never roasted me about the the fake trees in the background. I was staying corrected. Mm -hmm. Uh, and honestly, it's just good to see the league back in the game starting again. Yeah. So without further ado, mid mid season two thirty one, brought to you by what's his first one. Avril Vista Baby. Nice. <laughs> Battlecrab, Refined Bean, Bronzebot Buhal, Chari, Commissioner Picasso, Chris R34444, Cash67, Lolshin, Pork Chop Sammy, Rick Zane, Wallamel Smooth Nuts, and Your Misery. And thank you to our co stream viewers as well if you join us yes. on that uh, the opening day. Wow. I mean, we finally get to see uh, real 5v5 professional play. Um, I'd obviously already caught scrims well in advance way before, but I actually hadn't seen scrims during the beta. I only watched during the alpha. So I was also kind of excited to see how things were going to develop, who's playing what now, how things were going to go. Um, the viewing experience is maybe slightly easier for me because I'd already watched 5v5 and kind of got a feel for how it was going to play out in terms of, uh, what parts of the map we're going to be the most interesting and where, where things were going to happen and uh, what comps people were going to run and how the pacing was going to be. Um, I mean, I still have some concerns about the pacing in 5v5 so far. I, I'm in a weird place with 5v5 because I said this on my stream, but I was like, I initially hated the idea of 5v5. I was like, no, nah, you can't do that. That's ridiculous. I remember when Yiska was like, mm-hmm. oh, guys, what about 5v5? I'm like, that's bullshit. There's no way. That, that, that sounds awful. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. And then they did. And then... I 180. I was like, actually, this is pretty good. I think the idea of 5v5 yeah. is really good. And I think that'll be, you know, really refreshing for the game. It'll do X and Y things for the gameplay loop, which is really important for skill expression, etc. Yeah. Mm. Now that we have it, and it's been some time, and I've had a bit of a chance to rest on it, I don't know, man. I'm kind of on the fence again because mm. the viewing quality of 5v5 is a little bit, it's rough. It's really hard in some cases, to watch, yeah. which goes against the entire goal of having in the first place, because it was meant to be making it easier to watch, and it, it would have been easier to watch if we had more of a front-to-back slow meta, you True. know. Sadly, I have to bring this up, but if we were watching double shield, or in this case, solo shield, or in this case, just like, I don't know, any sort of, like, slow pick-based hit-scan comp, which you see a little bit on Escort when you have those uh, Watermaker mm-hmm. duels, those are the most watchable games yeah. because it's very easy to see who the pop-off player is going to be, where they're going to pop off from, and 
where the action is going to take place and follow everything that's happening. Whereas five v five, especially on control, like control cough is hard to watch on its best day. Anyway, just generally speaking, but now in five v five, it is just like its magnitude is more difficult to watch. I remember with the uh, it was the Boston Glads game. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Like, mm-hmm. I was genuinely struggling to follow. And you know, that's I know some other people have said like, "Oh man, I'm finding five v five a little bit hard." And then there's me, like someone that's been with the game since day one that normally analyzes to quite a high level. And I I feel like I you know I was I was still I was I was still following along, but I was following along on the HUD and the kill feed and not what was actually happening yeah. on the in the game. So I, I was following along in the way where like you could you could entirely remove the gameplay and only reveal the HUD and, and kill feed to me, and that's how I was following, which yeah. is a problem. Like that's problematic. You can't have that. So yeah, because uh, I watched the uh, Doctor Lupo co stream. Oh, so okay. yeah, I watched a little bit of that. I think it will. So, I think it will improve. I think that's just probably a teething problem of like us see, not seeing the patterns yet, and also the teams playing more chaotic than it probably eventually will be. I feel like a lot is just like limit testing at the moment. And I will say, maybe it's also a little bit... I feel like there's a distinct difference between new maps and old maps. I feel like push is pretty uh, chaotic because, okay, here's... Oh, yeah. I'm not going to claim this, this uh, phrasing, because uh, Harsha told it to me. Mm-hmm. And he said, push is Arim with flanks. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, actually, that makes a lot of sense. The the more I think, because I play Aram, or the non-League Legends people are like, what's Aram? It's a single lane. It's legal. First of all, it's League of Legends. Mm-hmm. It's a single lane. It'd be like if you only played mid lane, and you just run up and down mid lane. And it's a 5v5, you run up and down mid lane, and same as regular League of Legends, you destroy the tower, you destroy the base. And now, where I'm like, dude, Harsh is kind of right, because push is just like big ram with flanks, because you are just playing, at the end of the day, one big lane where the push bot follows, and you, you have to get to the end of the map, or try and get to the end of the map, and in essence, quote-unquote, destroy the enemy base by pushing to the end. Um, that's a crazy, crazily apt comparison. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also like, it's very hard once the ARAM team is in your base to push it back to their base and like win from there. Even yeah. though the mechanic and is a little bit fights. different because there's resource differences and they are not as, you know, as permanent in Overwatch. It's, yeah, there's uh, old advantage, but, you know, there's not item advantage that lasts mm-hmm. like uh, longer. But yeah. You it, know what it is? You know why it's actually worse than ARAM? I, first of all, I enjoy ARAM. I actually just played a few games tonight. <laughs> Better drunk ARAM. Huh? It goes well. Goes well. I won a few of the games. I dominated a couple. Um, the the thing about ARAM is like it feels fair and finishable and and completable. It has to be obviously because you have to finish the game. But mm-hmm. like normal League of Legends, you get deep enough into the game after twenty minutes or however long you know the respawn timers get long enough that. If you lose a team fight, you lose the whole game because it takes too long to mm. respawn. Yeah. Now, if you were to really one to one ARAM and push as much as you as possible, it would be like playing ARAM, but the respawn timers don't increase. And throughout the entire game, you you just sit on 10 second respawns the whole time. 
So you're in your base, you've lost your inhib, you've successfully defended somehow, and then you go back out to push, but the entire enemy team is just respawned in the next 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah. so you have to fight again, and then, you know, it's just nonstop. And if that was actually the case in real ARAM, I think it would, I think it would be an infinite game. Like, the game would be yeah, just infinite, would infinitely long. long. You, you wouldn't, you, no one would ever win. And so then you'd have the same thing. Where like, well, then you got to win based on distance, right? Whatever that means in ARAM. Um, which then probably would have exactly the same issues as Push does now in Overwatch, where, you know, first team pushing advantage is pretty huge. Mm. Comeback mechanics are non-existent, in fact. The game actively works against you as far as comebacks go. So it, the game actually makes it actively makes it harder for you to make a comeback as mechanics of the map and game mode itself, mm. uh, which people don't even know about. So all of those things, yeah, pushes. I've I I have a lot of push problems with push. Yeah, it needs. I think it needs some work when it comes to like the viewing experience. Um, I definitely sympathize like it is harder to follow. I'm a little bit more uh, on, I think, Giska's front. Um, I think it is just like a teething problem. I think we're, you know, the OBS team's going to get better at looking at it. Um, and I think there are, I think, if you, I think, I think by the end of the season, we're going to be able to compare and, yeah. and decipher. Granted, yes, it, it very much matters on, on what kind of meta we finish with. But I think they're going to be like tangible improvements and I think it will become a little bit easier. But there are I, to your point, Avril, like there are some things that are just like inherent about push about, you know, the the increase in flank potential that is difficult to capture on camera. It's and it is hard. Flanks. It's not even the flanks. It's just like. It's just it's, it's a combination of everything. It's also the fact that 5v5 right now mm -hmm. does two things that that's, does many things that contradict itself, for example. um. There is far more player precedent, individual, you know, ability for skill expression, which mm -hmm. is great. Like I've always wanted that. I'm a big champion mm -hmm. for that. Um, I think every every player should have carry potential, should be able to make plays, right? That's good. That should be good for an esport. That should be good for the game in general. Mm -hmm. Because you're not you don't feel like you're being burdened by the skill of your team. You can if you're good, you can do things yourself to make to give your team a chance to win. Mm -hmm. Um from a viewing perspective. I've started to realize maybe that's not a good thing because as an observer, you can't watch it all. Now, in a 5v5 League of Legends top-down, sure. oh, that's cool because you see all 10 players. Mm -hmm. In a first-person 5v5 experience in a game like Overwatch where any other 10 players can make a play, mm. I don't think I don't think you can observe it. So you're saying like, oh, the observables will get better. Like, can they? Because fundamentally, the issue is no matter who you observe, any of the other nine players can do something. So you're bound to just miss a ton of a ton of shit happening. And I, I realize this because, again, I go back to that Boston Glads game on uh, on Ilios, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And then they would do a replay where they perfectly cut between the things that happen. I'm like, oh, that's how it is. And then I'm there like, yeah, so if we watched it like this, we would all understand. But the problem is, no yeah. one's Nostradamus yeah. enough to be able to do that because you literally can't predict who's going to do what because here's a, here's a legitimate gameplay loop that happens. One team's soldier pops vise, the other team's Genji pops blade. Mm -hmm. Who do you watch? Yeah. Either one of them could could make the either one of them could just go go off and win the entire team fight. You don't at that exact moment in time. It is impossible to know who to watch. Flip a damn coin. 
Yeah. yeah. Literally flip a damn coin. You don't know who the fuck to watch. And if you pick the wrong person, you've completely missed everything. But you don't know who the correct person is. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that when it comes to like observers getting better at viewing the game, I think they're going to be more comfortable with it to at a higher rate make those predictions. I think there are there is something to be said with the level of play that we're at right now where I think we are I think Gisk is a little bit more charitable than I. I think there's just a lot of like loose play. There's kind of just this general I wouldn't say decline, but it's just a little messy overall in terms of like coordination, so that makes it generally more hard to view or predict what's going to happen. Um but to your point, I would say yes. There's there's a lot of teams that you wouldn't expect to be uncoordinated that are very uncoordinated. Um and then, yeah, to your point, that. like there is a lot of just like cue pressing and there are those moments where like you, you, it is a 50, 50, you're going to get it wrong. Like yeah. half the time. Yeah, I think it is coordinated. I think it's perfect. I think it's fine though. I, I don't buy the like, oh, the teams don't know what they're doing yet. I think they do. I think they've been playing and scrimming this long enough. Uh, most of the map strategies and the, you know, the general ideas behind the comps, even one less tank, it makes sense. They're still the same. You saw the same archetypes of dive and brawl and poke uh, shield poke you know uh, sure. you have the shield and you're poking those are every all of that is the same all the wind conditions are pretty similar it's it's just that like so? it's just like no I, I don't imagine i just i know so joe <laughs> i know so it i mean what is. i'm seeing is different that's what i'm saying I'm, I'm not seeing the same coordination that i would expect the gladiators have or the dallas fuel to have even you know looking at like some of these games like it is it is messy where it's like, okay, they're still getting their feet wet with this game and it's not as like it's, refined as it once was. It's it's gonna it's be our messy. It's messy because in this fast paced dive composition mm-hmm. matchups, people are taking multiple fights in different parts of the map and doing their own things in different parts of the map. I don't see that as a lack of coordination. I see that as play is trying to take advantage and trying to trying to find angles to make plays and you know the team isn't I, i'm not saying you are saying this but i just want to i just want to make sure we right. nip this one in the bud yeah, yeah. which is that play is playing away and separate from each other to address different goals and positionings that they are looking for to mm-hmm. come together for a team objective ultimately is not a lack of coordination that's just coordination being separated into different parts of the map um so some people may view that as like oh this is very uncoordinated look everyone's everywhere i'm like no but they're doing that on purpose Mm -hmm. you know they it's not solo queue everyone's doing random and i know i know people think might think it looks like it's not hey this is on purpose this is by design people go in these different directions um so i i don't think that's uncoordinated but i do think it is messy i think it's messy as shit Mm -hmm. and that's why it's hard to watch because you also don't know where to watch like do you watch a little side fight going on in the little corner over there or do you not like I think a great like example of that um, was uh, Washington Dallas on Gardens on Control. There's a lot of like fighting over like White Room, both soldiers flanking in, Genji's diving into Lucio coming to support. Like there is like two very clear skirmishes, and it's like you're, what you're saying. Hey, where where do you view? And it's not uncoordinated. It is very clear, and like there is a thought process to it. But there also are very clear examples of teams who we would trust with our our life savings last year that are coming in doing just kind of really uncharacteristic things um that yeah i would say it, it it's it's lacking in some areas that that things are not as clean as they once were um and i think that has to do a lot with you know how 
scrims have progressed and how this this overall like meta meta of 5v5 is, is shaping out right now because you do have to consider a lot there are teams that are so, making adjustments and it's 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 not bad but it's so what i'm getting saying used to it. what i'm saying is i think the game needs to slow down by a lot and i think you have to force sure. the development hand to slow it down i don't know if that is not mad at that you increase respawn times even more mm. from 10 seconds to 12. Do you want like even? a more clear delineation between fights? So maybe that would help. Absolutely. Because you have, okay. I, I don't want to see a situation where one fight goes on and different people just keep piling on in. Um, right. yep. And it's just like, what's going on here? Like there's no clear break. Cause even back in Overwatch one, I remember seeing a lot more resets, like a lot more situations mm. where, Oh shit, we lost somebody better reset. Right. Um, or any number of situations where a team would go for a reset. Like I'd see certain, I'd see certain things happening on maps and certain picks happen. And I would instantly know it's a reset and I'd call the reset in the cast immediately. And they would, mm. I'd be seeing this team trying to reset. Uh, and, and, and that those breaks in gameplay are very important. Whereas okay. a lot of five V five gameplay that I've seen so far is just like constant, just bashing. They're just fucking going at each other nonstop. I'm like, bro, where is the resetting? Where is like the breaks in the gameplay? It just doesn't exist. So, and that makes it, that's like tiring to watch. It's super tiring. It's exhausting. Yeah. So I don't know. They got to slow down the gameplay. I don't know what it is. I think the DPS speed increase sounded good, but yeah. it's it sped things up way too much. Um, yeah. I, I mean, dive has always been fast, but even in Overwatch One dive, I feel like there's been more breaks and more, you know, setting up. Uh, mm. There's just feels like there's less of that. It just feels like a lot more time to run in. See, yes. I don't know. See what happens. Yeah. No, I I agree. Like there are, there are some things I I think respawn timers probably would be one of the i think it would exactly give you what you want but i think it in general would probably make gameplay a little bit less enjoyable if i had to guess i think the more uptime oh. you have as a player the, the better but sure. um no uh, no one likes respawning no one likes respawning obviously I obviously i know that but the problem um, is you can't see here's the thing is like people people will say here's the duality of man you ready people mm -hmm. say it's like oh the game's deathmatchy i don't want to play deathmatch and yeah. then those same people will complain like oh man why am i just sitting in respawns i just want to get back in the action it's like okay did you know that if you want shorter respawns you want to get back in the action that's literally deathmatch death welcome to deathmatch yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's you can't please everybody there 100 and and i i get that um, you want to play a non-deathmatchy game Boot up a game of Counter Strike. Yeah. You die. You're out for the whole round. <laughs> There's your non-death match game. Enjoy. Yeah. It uh, there. There are some things. I think. I think you're right. Like the role passives in general um, could be reviewed. I think like just general tuning of of certain heroes could be looked at. Um, and yeah, I would tend to agree. A slower game makes for a much easier bowl watch. And um, yeah, I'm not mad at that. I don't like it. Any other uh, observations, Yesco? Anybody about 5v5 in the game so far? Just general stuff? I m must say, I honestly, like, I can't even... From my point of view, I had more fun watching the games, and I had more fun playing the game um, mm -hmm. recently. So, um, I think what we will probably find out is, like, the... the importance... So, but especially now during dive, I think there mm -hmm. must be pretty significant differences in who you lose first. Oh, for sure. And I think we will probably find out that 
um, like probably losing a tank early is the worst that could happen. Um, like if you actually bank the tank, now you're in in deep, right? Um, yeah. I think generally speaking, maybe we just also need more support camps because it feels like, especially Anna. Like, as Anna, you're probably looking at the majority of the gameplay that's happening, and you're kind of the ball. Like, yeah. everyone's sort of, like, trying to kill you. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is, like, we probably need to find out these quirks about it in in actual, like, practicing those metas. So... I don't know, maybe it's not the case, and maybe it even complexifies a little bit as, as teams sophisticate and get better at flanks and have better, like, situations happening at the same time where, like, you're sort of, like, trading blows more. But mm -hmm. I, I would think as metas develop, it gets more structured, not less, but maybe that's just not a feature of Overwatch 2. We'll see. But I'm, I'm hopeful it gets better, not worse. Mm-hmm. Same. I mean, I think that can be addressed with multiple things. Like I said, maybe you address spawns again, or you, I don't know, new heroes that change up the meta, force different playstyles. This is another thing where I'm going to say something crazy. Get ready. Mm -hmm. um, I wish all the Rissa was still here because all the Rissa is like one of the perfect heroes that slowed down the game, so that you actually have. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like you know, Bunker was. It, it's equally boring, but also yeah. easy. It's really easy to, and welcoming mm -hmm. to watch because yeah. it was very clear what the strategies were and like how how the game was going to break down. Whereas this whole "quote unquote" deathmatch thing people were talking about, yeah, I mean it looks that way because in our current five v five dive, you just have two teams flying at each other constantly, mm -hmm. um, and you don't have resetting because you see a lot of teams if they if they lose somebody. The response is, well, let's just get a counter frag as fast as we can, which I, you yes. know, I, I accept. Like that's what you probably should do, but it means, you know, it means you just don't really have resetting. You just have teams running at each other, mm. um, repeatedly. So, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm of the belief now that a good metas involve hit scans and involve heroes like Hanzo, you know, and and I would have put Soldier in that same. Boat, but he's such a flanker now that he, he kind of creates. I'm kind of I'm really glad he's been nerfed, by the way. Um, and maybe yeah, maybe the patch will change things. Maybe the patch. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. When you when we get to uh, the new patch, whenever that's going to be, no more soldier probably. Um, Zen probably going to get a lot of playtime. Zen maybe competing with Anna for playtime is really important. Sure. So yeah, I just think it's wild that I found the Sombra Ball. Tracer meta to be more watchable than this, and that, and that's what the you got a fucking wrecking ball in there mm -hmm. doing all sorts of crazy stuff. You got a sombra that's literally invisible running around. Like I don't know, like that that meta was a lot more watchable than what we have now. Which I just on control, it is it is just vomit on my screen. Like yeah. what is it? Lots uh, of but just. Then you, but then you get to escort and you see Arns and Violet or whoever. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Arns and not Violet. Arns and um. Victoria having a widow duel, and it's yeah. like, oh, this is nice. This is really, Freshing. this is really, this is really good to watch now. Like, I can, I can, I can very easily tell what the hell's happening. Mm. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I think. Okay, here's here's my void pill take. <laughs> I think 
it might be less appealing to a certain level of sophistication of viewer, which in my experience, having watched like Overwatch with an audience, is not average. Like, I think if you have on screen someone like happy just popping heads off, and that happens more frequently than you have uh, produced a better viewership broadcast, because yes, eighty-five percent of the people watching Overwatch do not have the desire to understand why a fight was won. That's that's for replays and like for the desk or like, like to fill time. Which is my job as a caster to explain, which is what I do. Yeah, 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 for sure. But um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I think in terms of like individual plays that we saw, um, I felt like the the pogs per minute in terms of like the entire broadcast was higher than we had last year. Like I had. Maybe it's just like you know how memory works and me being more engaged with YP5 and not not. But I feel like I remember the Nero play. I remember the Happy play. I remember several Ultraviolet plays. Mm -hmm. um, I'm remembering someone plays. I remember. I remember Mayhem TP plays. <laughs> yeah, some illegal Overwatch maneuvers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so and that's that happened probably less frequently. I don't think like I got out of a lot of match days on the average Overwatch League weekend and had the same amount of recollection of like interesting or like pop-off moments um in in terms Listen, of mechanic skill. I enjoy I enjoy playing the game. I think the game is super fun to play right now legitimately. Mm -hmm. Uh to the point where like going back to Overwatch 1 like I don't even I don't even want to look at it, you know. Yeah. But from a viewing perspective, once you dial that up to 11, like, what does that look like? And sure. <laughs> 6v6 was better to watch so far, so far from mine, from what I get out of it. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't hate that take. Yeah. From a purist perspective, it, it vibes with me big time. Yeah. Whereas, like, 6v6, it's probably bullshit to play, <laughs> but it's a, it was a better viewing experience. Now, now we've done the opposite. Mm -hmm. We got a better game to play, but the viewing experience is just a clusterfuck. Yeah. So I don't know, like we, we somehow we've like overshot and we just missed them. We we didn't land on the Goldilocks, um, and I was just like, and I couldn't foresee it. And it's just like, damn it, I just I didn't think this would happen. No, I won't lie. I would take I would take the latter over the former any day of the week. Hmm. I think we can invent ways to make the viewing experience a little bit more palatable. Whereas, like, it's probably pretty hard to make the gameplay loop, like, fun. Look, like, even... Okay, I'm going to... This is this is online f uh, format only thing. If our production okay. is anyway, like, you know, just record and select the right play and just give us, like, a de feed <laughs> delayed, like, for a minute or two. That works until me. it Lie doesn't. Yeah, it it doesn't work in a live environment. Yeah, that's nope, true. No, nope. but then in a live environment, just have like a screen for each player, and then you choose. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But then you get then you get like the old like expeke like the game is over, they've won, and like the feed hasn't caught up with them yet, right? Like, am I misremembering sure. that? Yeah, I figured it out. I I I think they just need to use more 
top down three third yes. persons as much oh as my I hate God, it. Yes. As much as I think that's like not the ideal way to view an FPS game because you can't appreciate the skill in first Agreed. person mm-hmm. when you watch in third person. I don't see another solution right now. I like it on we... engages generally. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, I think what what the the first thing we got to do is your suggestion. Longer spawn times. And then if you think about how we introduce each map, you have the top down every time at the start of the map with the icons, right? Mm-hmm. And then you see the setup, how they the rotation is coming in and what sort of like is the plan. Maybe we can do that, maybe not for every fight, but for more. Does that make sense? Yeah. Maybe. It, would be, it would be an interesting one. I still am of the opinion that like, they just need, they have to like expedite the command center back. Like give me however I want to watch the game, go ahead and pay for it. If you don't like it, pay for it. Simple as, I don't know. I'd pay for it personally. So, I'm biased then. Uh, I like. I think the official word is that we're not going to have it this year. But of course, Overwatch League teams have, have the. I'm I'm saying sure, of, course, of course. Until yesterday, I didn't know, even though it was official uh, knowledge. Mm. But yeah, they they have a replay viewer. My understanding is that it works pretty well with like some bugs, but you expect as much for for a beta yeah, situation, right? Mm-hmm. I just hope they bring that back. I feel like a lot of the surrounding elements of the main broadcast last year, like Stats Lab, like uh, mm. Replay Viewer and whatnot. Like, that, I'm missing that. Yeah. And, yeah. Some of the best community content came from using the Replay Viewer to, like, highlight and amplify and showcase some of the things that maybe the broadcast didn't catch or, you know, better explaining, you know, why a team won a fight. Like, it, it was, in a way, our, our little truth machine, and we, we got some little nuggets out of it, and it was good. Like, yeah, I think that's like a missing part of this this whole thing this season. It's going to be uh, both the command center and like the, the replay viewer um, viewing the game how you want to. And uh, granted on your time, which isn't as great as watching it live and having a, a cohesive and very streamlined viewing experience. But it's better than it's better than not having it, I suppose. I don't know. Let's take a look now. at some of the matches coming out from this week, so let's actually start a little bit of recap. Yes. Um, we're not going to go through every single game. I think we're just we're going to cover some highlights here and talk about the more overhead stuff. Mm. Uh, and then, you know, some of the more macro storylines of, of what's been happening so far. Uh, generally speaking, though, I think this first week had some quite turbulent results, very turbulent results in the sense of, I mean, you know, Scrum Bucks and Power Rankings and mm. who you thought was going to win. The, the middle of the table looking pretty spicy in terms of everyone rotating around, depending on who you think is meant to be middle of the table or not. Um, genuinely impressed by the fact that, okay, you got, look, Vancouver and London still not looking the strongest, but they look much better than the previous years. They are capable of taking maps and threatening wins and at least giving us a competitive viewing experience rather than just folding over in the yep. previous years, which I appreciate. Even that 03 versus Shock, I mean, even that Eichenwald was a little bit competitive. You know, you mm-hmm. want that. I want that in these games. Um, I'm going to highlight and talk about one game in particular to start with, and that is the Dallas versus Houston Battle for Texas live at the Techport Arena in San Antonio in the heart of Houston, Texas. 
where the Dallas Fuel walked in and they got shook by all them Texan Houston fans rooting for the team in green. And Sparkle got nervous and then they lost. And that's my analysis of that game. So it was uh, it was a banger. It was a fun one. It I think it were really a couple things. One, it really highlighted the demand, the hunger for live Overwatch. Now, sure. I don't know because it was like a two thousand person event that got sold out. And I don't know if it was that way because it's been so long that everyone's just dying to come back, which I'm sure is part of it. Mm. Or, you know, I guess people do, people really do, not that it's surprising, it shouldn't be, that people really do want to see live Overwatch again. Um, because even prior to that, the, the season three homestands were starting to really pick off. Uh, we saw the APAC homestands last, excuse me, last year, and they looked pretty good. Yeah. In terms of people there. So, I mean, that was brilliant i love that i think uh it really kind of proved a point about live events and i'm sure the teams whether that be the texan teams or the other teams will be looking to do more i know it's easier to do these in texas because it's the state of the united states that doesn't believe COVID exists uh but i don't know i don't know if i don't know how easy or hard it'd be to do live events in other states but certainly in texas you're going to see more i hope yeah i think it, it definitely benefits from having some regional rivalry right like there there's always the dallas houston talk like oh which one's going to be better like i think the fans also play into that um so that definitely is is benefiting them whereas like i don't know i i i think it's something interesting to test the waters of like vancouver or toronto and be like all right what's the best team in canada is that something that people genuinely like will come out to see i don't know um that's the only other thing like maybe there's like a tri-state thing if philly was in na and then like new york maybe there's some play there i think they tried to pick that up in the past like when it comes to like regionality playing a role it seems like the texan teams have have a a little bit of a bias there a little bit of an edge um but yeah i would tend to agree like live events definitely always uh, a fun time and i think it's just smattering them in and testing the markets um and not flooding everything with everything has to be a live event and a home stand and that was always a concern of mine when it came to what was it 2020 you know pre-covid where it's like are we gonna show up for you know boston vancouver in stage three after seeing this like four or five times already like i don't know if people are gonna pay for that yeah so having more but fewer than anticipated originally i think would be like the goldilocks to you gotta you gotta get to the stage where you know you're doing a formula one race and they're selling tickets for a thousand dollars each yeah for a bullshit seat and people just buying it some somehow everyone's like i'll pay a thousand dollars for that like (laughs) that's wild but they do so the actual game though okay three zero i i know i know why you're here you want you want me to talk about the fact that Dallas lost to Houston. Mm. I put them like I think ninth. Where did I put Houston? I think I put them ninth, one above Toronto and tenth, which I thought was a pretty responsible place to put Houston, considering the issues uh, on paper. That is, and um, and now also their issues displayed versus Toronto got them. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, I put Dallas really high. Everyone did. Everyone put Dallas really high. So you know, don't just come after me. Everyone put Dallas high. Before anyone says like, oh yeah, but you put them number one. It's like yeah, but. 
we don't even know what the hell Shanghai is doing. So <laughs> Shanghai might as well not even exist right now. Like trying to put APEC teams in this ranking, like it doesn't even, it's completely pointless, but I did it anyway, just for the laugh. Mm. Uh, functionally, what does matter is that as far as North America goes, Dallas, I had number one, and so did everyone else. Because even if you put Dallas in number two below Shanghai, functionally speaking, you still put Dallas in number one for NA. So really, we all did the same thing. And Dallas surprised everyone by getting crushed by Houston on that matchup. A couple of things. Yeah, they said they were nervous. Sure, I, I buy it. I can, I can believe it. I'm not going to, you know, I'm personally not going to make excuses on their behalf. That's, that's, they said those things. I didn't say those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like they got outplayed extremely hard. I felt like they just looked, they, 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 I mean, I, I, I buy it because they looked, they just looked shook. They just looked like they weren't playing like Dallas. I made the mm-hmm. comment that I, it, to me, it felt like Dallas and Houston freaky Friday and their identity yeah. swapped. Like Houston was, was as fast, decisive, you know, super coordinated team with high mechanics. And then Dallas was just like shit in the bed. And usually yeah. Dallas is the super coordinated, high speed, high tempo, you know, big teamwork and all these kind of, this, this really strong team. And usually that's Dallas play like that. And Houston did that instead. Mm. So I was impressed that Houston were doing that. And um, kind of wondering what the fuck was Dallas doing? Like, what, what is going on here? Uh, Edison did not impress me in that opening matchup as well. I nope. felt like his soldier was lacking. It gave Pelican a lot of runway to work with. Um, I told you so. I told you so. <laughs> and I don't. Well, I said that Doha was going to play soldiers, so I don't. I don't know what the fuck yeah. they're doing. I mean, maybe he. Maybe maybe Edison is better on soldiers. And and, and Edison looked much better versus Washington. I think. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the I yeah. didn't see day four games. Uh, I was supposed to watch the day four games today, but I couldn't. Um, so, I mean, full credit to Houston. They did everything right. All their players popped off way harder. Lastros. So Lucio was much better than people expected as well. And that's always a question yes. mark because you don't know when a team runs double flexible, you don't know how good their Lucio is because we're still looking at Gundam Jim being like, all right, well, you know, maybe there's more there. Maybe there's not. Mm. I don't know. It's not looking that good. Um, so I think it was completely fair to have Houston where they were because they only have one tank. They don't have a main support. Looks sure. like they like flexibility. All these different things. And um, yeah, okay, Dante comes out of the doom, but then, you know, the again, the duality of man is people saying after the Dallas win, people are like, oh man, the Dante doom, it's just, it's so good. He's the best. Like, you know, no team's going to beat this. And then Toronto lose to, to uh, sorry, Houston lose to Toronto. And then yeah. the other side of the coin is like, oh man, they need to stop playing Dante on doom. Like, this is too predictable. I, I can't believe they're still doing Dante on doom. Like, fuck, please pick one. Which right. which opinion is it? Which which hot take do you want to put in there? You can't have both. Keep in mind, you still had them fifth in NA, right? Like, that's still pretty high. Yeah. Implicitly. Is it? One, yeah, two, two, three, three, four. Yeah, I had them fifth in NA. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. people think because I put them ninth because I shoved in fusion and hunters and soul and shit. Yeah, that I like. Oh, I'm so down on Houston. They're, yeah. they're top five in NA for me. Please, come on. Stop. You're, you're still just in love with the APAC. That's that's the story that's being told. Not really that you're underrating the Outlaws. I think. Mm-hmm. If anything, yes. like, like I had the defined over the Outlaws, just barely. Like then, same tier break for me. Mm-hmm. And you go, and you were correct, huh? And Boom. Done. <laughs> Got him. Um, the thing is, dude, 
I, I, I'm not going to claim anything because one of the more obnoxious situations this weekend was like, we have definitive proof of anything being proven wrong. And it's like, two games, bro. In a tra- and in a some of them, there for me. That, was, and, that was like some Batman voice and, just and, there. I don't, want, I don't know what you said. <laughs> and some of you assholes like subtweeted me after game one, bro. Like, come on, man. It's it, keep in mind you 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 remember last year, you remember stage one, <laughs> you remember that team that went two two, barely snuck into main uh, melee finals and who won that shit in the end. Mm-hmm. You remember that team that actually on day one lost against the Houston Outlaws. I'm still not feeling it's disproven that and that fuel might be the best team in the world just because they got blown the hell out by Outlaws. I think that's still entirely possible that we arrive at the end of the stage and they are the best team in the world. It is not disproven. Could I, be. I, I, Could rewatched, be. I rewatched last year's game of Shanghai losing to Chengdu 0-3. Yes, and it was... Ugh. And if you remember watching that game, or maybe if you're curious, just go watch it again. Oof. The Shanghai looked like shit. They looked so bad. They got full held on Ike. They, they got fucking dumpstered. <laughs> they got full held by Torb. And so, yeah, they got full held by Jin oh. Mu Torb. Like, it doesn't get worse. Oh. So, and, 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 and if you were, if you knee-jerk hard enough at that, was like, oh, man, sh- Shanghai or shit. Who would, who would put Shanghai number one? <laughs> okay, W, what a, what a shit team. Like, I mean, yeah, ev- everyone's going to get blown out. At some, I don't know. People lose mm. games. Dallas always lose their opening game. I'm not trying to take anything away from Houston because I think they're much better than I probably gave them credit for. Mm. I still don't know if I'd put Houston above five because when I look at this, I think, I think maybe now... What people want is they would probably like it if Shock and Gladiators were shoved down the list and then Atlanta and Houston were shoved up the list and then maybe Fuel are like middling in there or something. But can we really gleam much out of Shock and no. Gladiators considering the level of opponents they played against? People will say that because Gladiators lost one map to New York and one map to Boston. That means they're bad or something. I'm like... Why? Like, I think people assume New York are like bottom tier. They're like absolute garbage. I had someone in my Discord was like, yo, I think New York could be the last place team in NA. I'm like, no yeah, way, bro. A, They're not. Bro, they still have to lose to London and Vancouver for that to happen. Like, fuck me. They didn't, they didn't look that bad. Yeah, they got outplayed by Atlanta, but they didn't look. They, they looked bad yeah. com- compared to Atlanta because Atlanta are much better. But mm. otherwise, I think New York are probably an okay team. They're probably, they're just a mid team. There's nothing yeah. wrong with being a mid team. I agree. I think the the crowns are the worst team probably in the Overwatch League by now, Vancouver. That has to be. After one week, yeah. I mean at least London has like a style that like works for them and like they're finding like their footing with, whereas Vancouver's like <sighs> trying so, to do things. Which one are you picking London Vancouver as your match of the week? Hot me, Jesus. I did not find that very interesting. No. It if anything reinforced what I saw from London Shock, which I will still fight tooth and nail that London had a very winnable line on Ike. And mm. I it is is very frustrating that uh that map played out the way it did. Yeah. Um Jessica, do you have a, a map or a, a match preloaded? Or do you want me to go? I, I think like for me it would have to be uh between Atlanta Rain and Florida or justice against toronto and i think i'm 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 leaning towards like i had the most fun with 
uh, Rain Against Mayhem. Mm-hmm. And like what it did. Because Mayhem didn't cheat, that's why. <laughs> yes. I don't know. That Washpoint Gibraltar might have as well been cheating, I will say. <laughs> um, that one was a ref. I felt like I understood how someone can run alpha scrims and tweet publicly that flex support is in a good place, which Ultraviolet did. And then he played like that, and then I understood, okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Like, if you're a god born to um, uh, flex support. Mm. I think, like, it's he's probably... Yeah, I, I think he was the most impressive flex support this weekend. I think he understood the most what flex support is required of in uh, Overwatch 2. Mm-hmm. I feel like a, a lot of the time, I, and I would love to see stats on that, but in my mind, very often, it, uh, the, the tail or like the breaking point of each uh, composition became Ana. Because yeah. Ana or Genji, right? I think it's it's very hard to kill a main tank unless he uh, fucks up and is like disjointed. I think it's mm-hmm. pretty hard to uh, get a soldier out of position just where they should position. Of oh, course, for sure. like, okay, if you're playing into Widow, that's maybe a little bit different or whatnot. I think it mm-hmm. is. The second one I would expect to be uh, in first cuts would probably be uh, Genji. Lucio is a fucking bulwark. He's like, basically like you lose sight of him and he comes around the corner like 0.5 seconds later with 100 HP more so you basically have to effectively kill like 600 HP worth of like life yeah Uh, so and it, people and people are like, oh man, I can't believe they nerfed Lucio. I'm like, really? You can't <laughs> believe they nerfed Lucio? Okay. Yeah, no. Um, and so in my mind, like the two obvious breaking points is either you catch a Genji being like a little giddy and like maybe they mess up their dash um, resourcing in terms of like trying to get a finish, but they don't, and then now the Genji's too deep, or like the the actual tail of all all compositions is the Ana. But the way Ultraviolet positioned in these fights and knew how to read, like, especially, um, like, someone's engages was a masterclass. And that's, like, it almost felt oppressive, man. Like, Yes. Mm. I, I, I felt like that shit was... Because there's so much lack of hard CC that, man, that felt overpowered these fucking sleeps, man. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. Like, I was really impressed by that backline. I think I shouldn't over- underestimate uh, OG's uh, help in keeping Ultraviolet alive. Yep. But in general... That's where... Yeah, Kubo. I will say, like, having r- written something about them, like, initially, like, to peek behind the curtain for a second, Yiska kind of approached me and was like, yo, like, Kai's getting a lot of love. Like, you should write about him. I'm like, all right, let me do some deep dive. Like, let me look at these games. I'm like, bro, it's hard to, like... I kind of just want to about write about UV. I kind of want to just write about mm. how good Hawk was. I kind of want to write about mm. how good OG was. It's like this team in general played played the Florida Mayhem, who I rate quite highly, um, versus the community. Uh, they played New York, whom whatever my my take on mm. them is pretty mid. Um, but in general, like they looked to be one of the better teams yeah. in terms of like a, a view of form. Because of how much, like how right everything was, right? Like Nero looked fabulous, had on a number of different picks. Hawk looked, I think, like the best Doomfist 
that we've seen. Granted, it's one week, but if yeah. you had to put a crown on somebody, I think it's Hawk. Oh, man, Houston um, fans are coming for you. Sure. Tell Dante to slow it down. I don't know. Play a little bit slower. Find some find some success there, and then we can talk. Atlanta made adaptations after one map. We saw it on our our our, our you know our co-stream. Avra pointed out that Hawk is like very focused and is doing a fuckload of damage, but he's only targeting someone, the the, the main tank of Florida yeah. Mayhem. Then you see it immediately change in map two. Like it, it was it was very comfortable. It felt very comfortable for them to be able to shift things on the fly and find what works for them in this particular matchup to throw, you know, the mayhem off, whether that be, you know, more aggressive backline pressure, whether it be spacing UV a little bit farther apart to, you know, threaten uh, some sort of um, dive interception. Uh, a lot of teams going through some of these week one games. Um, it feels like there is a separation between the class of people who are playing a, a very counter not a counter dive, but like pressuring the tank through using your Winston bubble to separate the tank uh, away from the Ana using like trying to separate those sight lines or playing for the enemy Ana trying to create those dives and, and get that tail end like Yiska saying. Um, and it felt like Atlanta did have a more fluid approach that wasn't just very rigid and we mm. only do it this way or we only do it that mm. way. They kind of played it by ear and it looked very, very coordinated. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looked great. I mean, thinking back now, mm. you know, you look at, you saw the car Q tweet, we, we saw the ultraviolet comment as well. It's like, the supports are strong and it's fucking insane. Mm. I think for a lot of people, even me a little bit, I'm like, I, I bought it, but I didn't like cash it in straight away. I was mm. just like, I bought, I buy it, but like, we'll, we'll see a little bit, you know, we'll wait till the game. We'll have to see what it, what it does. Yeah. Um, and then boom, we see the actual matchup and it's like, holy shit. Ultraviolet's doing everything. Like he was doing so much. I think after That's the nice, second man. map, after map two, after Nightworld, I, I I tweeted was like, bro, give this guy POTG. Yeah. It's done. It's yeah. it's finished. Give it to him now. Like it's enough. Then after the match finished, I was like, I need to make a video now. I just made a video <laughs> on Ultraviolet and Anna straight away because I was like, this is crazy. I spent my whole night making that video. Um, I prop in hindsight, I probably should have waited because the next day, Iris, or as he's called now, Iris, went absolute ham versus Dallas, and he did yeah. the exact same thing, and maybe even better in that particular mm. game. Um, it's definitely him and Ultraviolet right now that are the most impressive on that role, mm. where yep. the level of sleeps they were hitting, oh, man, Iris had some crazy sleeps. Just all these nano blades and these visors and these mm. other just normal blades that just completely get removed from, from, from a single sleep, and you look at you know, Sparkle's POV, he's like shaking his head like, man, what is happening? Like, I can't even yeah. play the game. Mm -hmm. um, people were like, oh man, Sparkle underperformed. He didn't do anything. I was like, yeah, because Eris slept him every single time. Like, yeah. what do you want my guy to do? Like, he got yeah. out, he, they all got outplayed by other people on that team. Yeah. So, Ultraviolet, Eris, Anna in general has been crazy. So, that Byronane nerf, yeah. uh, it desperately needs to come through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know when we're going to be on the new patch, but that Byronane nerf, like losing one second down, yeah, even that, like that's that that'll help. That'll yeah. do something. It so, definitely will. Help. Um, and then having some competition from Zen to actually compete with Ana. Maybe they'll be played together, but I think Lucio is still a bit too good to not have right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, that's question though, which is good. That'll be really that's good. So yeah, that, yeah, I remember we you know we we obviously co-streamed the Atlanta mm. Mayhem game. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, super impressed with Atlanta right now. I'm actually. 
I, I probably, uh, you know, need to address the fact that I underrated Nero quite a bit, and he he mm. came out and impressed. I, yeah. I'll be straight about it. He he definitely looked a lot better than I expected, um, and not just on. Because the thing is, I, I always thought Nero was more like, oh, you know, he'll play some funny heroes. He's like, he'll play Torb's like one of his main heroes, you know. Yeah. He's like a Torb Reaper May three trick. Like, what are you going to get out of Nero? Then he comes out this weekend, brings out a Genji and a Tracer and dominates. I'm like, holy shit, this guy can like really do some stuff. Um, And that Tracer as well, like he destroyed Myongbong with it time and yeah. time again. Yeah, awesome. just I'm actually, him, He actually gave me a bit of hope that maybe Tracer could come back into the meta. Because mm-hmm. I thought Tracer got hard locked out of the meta because of Genji Soldier, but now with Soldier Nerf, like maybe she could come back in. Um, I think she has a place New- right now. And New York game is yeah, but she could probably have a more more of a place. We'll see. Oh, agreed. She's, agreed. In, she's in an okay place, but only I don't know. You you'll probably see her play rate go up now. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, what was I saying? Uh, yeah, Nero destroying Myeongbong, and people are like man, Myeongbong sucks. But so there's two things there. One is that. It's New York getting diffed and gapped by a team much better than them. Mm-hmm. The second thing is it's Atlanta's strategy and their entire modus operandi of like just diving at it. There is a reason why Nero and the rest of the team runs at Myongbong time and time and time again because it's established from the Atlanta Rain playbook that they run at Anna's. They, that's what they do. They, they see an Anna on the field and they fucking sprint at this motherfucker as quick as they can that's their playbook so yeah i mean it, it it's uh new york had no idea what to do against that um majed got shut down hard as well you see yep. after map one uh, I, you brought this up but i mentioned you know hawk was spending a lot of time addressing someone mm. and i was like during that map i'm like he's spending too much time looking at this winston he needs to do something else map two he starts looking at majed and as soon as he starts looking at Majed, the game changes because yep. UV does not have the same pressure. Majed is constantly under pressure. He's spending his whole game trying to sleep, bionate, and defend himself against Hawk. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Ultraviolet's there just playing, I don't know, he, he's playing Click Simulator where no one, he had no pressure on him. He was doing yeah. whatever the fuck he wanted. And um, a credit to Alana for setting up that situation, but there's a huge difference when you're Anna player gets to dominate and just have full sight lines and control the game, and the opposing Anna player is just under the fist of Hawk's Doom the whole way through, but that's exactly how Atlanta play, and they get a lot of success out of that. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Oh, they do, and it, it works in tight, like, it, it is the playbook, I think, for Doom comps right now is to look at exactly what, granted, it's hard to mirror the skill one-to-one, but, like, if you want to, like, play a good doom that's what you should be doing credit to florida as well i saw some interesting looks out of them i think there were some more creative takes i think week one in general for them um was, was quite creative with their illegal maneuvers and their roadhog plays maybe not necessarily hitting the mark but it, it shows a lot when compared to some other teams who are very much like rigid they seem very fluid and still can can hang with the best of them on some of these traditional well i guess what will probably become traditional, you know, soldier Genji picks checkmate looking great. Someone stalks upwards. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, general. It was a great game. Florida Atlanta. Super, super good. I, I think legitimately after this, this match specifically mm-hmm. seeing how good Hawk is on doom, seeing how Nero holds up and then everyone else being able to play like their sort of best heroes. Otherwise, mm-hmm. 
Kai, I say sorta, but yeah, yeah, like it's just a hit scan lord. Yeah. Bro, this is this is a favorite. If if them if we don't go to like a new um patch or the meta changes violently. Unless those things happen, I think Atlanta has to be considered one of the favorites uh, based on what we've seen, just because like a lot of the question marks surrounding like the vi volatile Fero picks in terms of Doomfist and especially Genji have been pretty much answered. And if if they can keep doing that, I don't know. Like I feel like every other top team has given me more question marks than uh, Atlanta did. Joe, you got a game? Agreed, I do. Um, and it was one that uh, gave me some hope for a, a particular style. Um, viewers of the show and maybe some regulars in the Discord will know that I molded to no end when any team locks Zarya. Um, and there was one team in particular that may surprise you, <laughs> as, as clickbait as that sounds. Uh, I will take the Boston Uprising versus the Los Angeles Gliders. I don't know why I was about to call them Florida. Um, as my game of the week, uh, because it showcased a very, I think, what is the the blueprint on how Zarya probably or Zarya compositions probably should be played at the moment. Um, we saw teams like Dallas. We saw teams. I think uh, f was it Florida or Paris? I can't remember to be honest. Uh, but I know that uh, Dallas and Boston in general played a lot of Zarya. Those are the two teams I think that had probably the most playtime. Um, and you saw some very clear different looks, right? You saw a lot of the Reaper pairing with Boston and showcasing how much anti-tank they were playing, keeping Reiner off the team. Very coordinated rotations. Their leapfrog was fantastic. Whereas Dallas, it was a little slower. Again, Avril talks about like this, this weird Freaky Friday situation where the team that invented this Lucio Moira Reaper rushdown style is now playing in a train car getting punched out the side of it and is just kind of standing there like not knowing what to do with their hands. It was very, very confusing, especially looking at, you know, how Rush has had his career set up and the players that they have and how good they are at playing high tempo. It was very, very confusing. And even some of their 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 later games in the week against the Justice, I, I don't think gave me that much more hope, if I'm being completely honest. Um and yeah, I, I really, really loved what I saw out of Boston. I think running with that for them going forward into the kickoff clash could be a it could be a pretty sizable problem for teams. I think there is some serious consistency issues when you look at, you know, the Vancouver game versus the Gladiators game. Um, but I, I genuinely wonder how many times you run that Boston game against Gladiators, like 99 times. I wonder if people would be surprised at how many times Boston genuinely wins some of those maps and maybe even wins the match. I think the Zarya pick was, was fantastic. That's the only team I mentioned this on Twitter that I trust running Zarya compositions at the moment. Cause I don't really care to see Toronto run it. I don't really care to see Dallas run it anymore. If I'm going to be completely honest, I think they need to kind of like take a step back to move forward. Um, and yeah, I think that like they're leading the charge in this like weird offshoot meta school of thought that I'm, I'm all for definitely a, a more creative person and I like the look. I like it a lot. I don't mind the Zarya, but the, the the part of the Boston equation I have a problem with is the Diva. Yes. I don't think Diva should yes. be run at all. No. Personally. Mm, agree. I think Diva just currently does less than Winston and Doom. Yes. In agree. all applications. 
Um, and that's kind of an issue with Hero Pool sometimes because you want to run Punk because he's mm-hmm. probably your best tank player. But his Hero Pool is like D Vizaria, right? Or Sigma. Yep. So he's got the classic off tank Hero Pool. And so what you end up seeing is it's all comes in to play the Winston. Yeah. Uh, and I think I'll, I'll give Boston credit. I think they're a better team than people give them credit for, which is why. People are kind of be like, oh, well, gladiators don't look very good because they dropped the map to Boston. I'm like, yeah, but maybe Boston aren't as bad as you think. Like, mm. that could be that could be the case too. I mean, um, Valentine is really good. And people are like, oh, yeah, but Boston nearly lost to Vancouver. Like, I don't know. Like, I also think Vancouver were better than what they displayed in the London game. I expected more out of Vancouver in that London game. Yeah. So I give Vancouver a little bit of benefit, benefit of the doubt. Um, uh, yeah, teams can definitely dip and rise in different performances, and that's why you can't make any sweeping judgments off of one game alone. Yeah. But um, look, that Glad's Boston game, uh, I, I kind of already talked about it. Uh, that was the game that I watched that felt like, man, this control. I mean, I, I kind of felt that way from most of the control maps, but mm. that's one where I just kind of like, it, it clicked for me. I was like, hmm, control really is hard to watch. Mm-hmm. That uh, Gibraltar game was really fun because you got to see not quite pecans, but as close as pecans as we'd ever seen, to be honest with you. Yeah. That's the closest thing we've ever had to pecans since we had pecans in 2020. He was nailing shots left and right. He was uh, insanely impactful, completely destroyed Victoria. Yep. And the rest of Boston along with it. Like you couldn't, you couldn't get past him. You know, Arns was at one point, what was the stat line? He was seven and zero. I think he was actually nine and zero at one point. Nine kills, nine final blows, zero deaths. You know, mm-hmm. just dismantling the other team. Unreal, yeah. Unreal scenes. Gladiators so, have some have some weapons. And so everyone's like, "Oh, you know, I, sh- I don't know about Patty. I don't know, don't know about Arns." I'm like, again, only one of them needs to pop off. One of them yeah, is yeah. popping off. I think Patty is still fine. Uh, he's. It looks like he's maybe dealing with some confidence issues because he's being pretty yeah. hard on himself, and. Um, they're actually running him on Genji instead of Kevster for the most part, which I found a little surprising. I thought Kevster would be the Genji player and uh, Patty would be your soldier player. And but they you did saw that kind for... of a, a swap on Ike, right? I think you're. We did, there. we did, and I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out why the swap happened. It's either because Kevster wanted to swap to uh, Kevster has the option of tracer, so they can do mm-hmm. maybe a soldier tracer is what they wanted, or and here's a take. I don't know if this is a take. Here's a speculation. Maybe Patty lost confidence on the Genji, and he's like, "Kev, I think you need to swap with me. I, I can't do this. I can't do the Genji right now. You got to swap with me." Because uh, I, I, I'd heard that Patty had played Soldier in scrims too. So I mean, he's yeah. they've definitely done that. So and I mean, it didn't I, look bad. Like a Soldier genuinely looked good when they did swap. Like yeah, it was, yeah. it was fine. Like there was no like love lost when it came to that. But yeah, I think these these first couple games for Glad's Patty definitely. A little feast or famine like moments where okay cool like we we got that genji unlock it's very tight genji is feast or famine just to be clear as well yeah agreed i think in general there were some very odd moments where uh there was a little too much limit testing going on some some early deaths some needless deaths where it's like okay i think you guys have the advantage but you're kind of just grading for more and that's where where Patty kind of like fell a little short for me. Um, but I think that's very fixable. Like that is that is something that can be very easily fixed. And I think once we get into previews, I think um, some people might be interested on my view on them. 
what we will see. So far, so good for Glads. Some things to fix. I like where I'm at with Boston, or I like what I saw with Boston. I'd like to see less swaps if I had to make a make a stand. But there again, maps are a bitch. I don't know. Maybe that's like a tangent, but I'm really frustrated with Pickums because I want to see these maps because I feel like it dictates a lot of like how some of these games are going to go where it's like, cool, if London doesn't get any good, like close maps, then what the fuck are they going to do? Or like if Gladiators gets like, you know, a map that they can throw in ons extra then sick, like they have another weapon to use, right? Like you, it changes your predictions a little bit. And I don't know. I wish we, we got maps a little bit earlier personally, but I take. So outside of that, we also had um, our circle of four teams beating each other. This is, again, why it can be quite hard to draw conclusions this mm-hmm. early on. Like, I even think doing another power ranking now is just not even no. feasible. Like, uh, how? Like, I mean, everyone's just... We, we don't even have a clear meta. Is it like, are you supposed to play Winston or Doom or Zarya? Like... People are still figuring that out. We're now confused about whether we should be playing Genji or, or an Echo. Like, what, what is that? Sure. What part? What's going on there, you know? Um, everyone's beating everyone. Not everyone, but a lot of teams are beating <laughs> each other. Mm-hmm. So, specifically, we're talking about the fact that Washington beats Toronto. And then Washington loses to Dallas, who loses to Houston, who then loses to Toronto. So, and it goes in a big circle. So what does that mean? Like, you can't even realistically draw too many conclusions for that. I think the one conclusion I, I will draw is that teams like Dallas, who look sh- really shaky on day one, on their day one, mm-hmm. came back very quickly and bounced back for their second match. And I would even maybe extend that Olive Branch to Toronto as well. Mm-hmm. Looked shaky in their opening game versus Washington. Came back, looked much stronger. Oh, yeah. Um, Different team. Especially for Finale. Oh, yeah. Where Finale versus Washington, my God, he was like straight up feeding at certain points. Mm-hmm. They were just, I was, I, because I reviewed that game and he, like, I, the amount of first deaths he had was pretty egregious, but then even how he was dying was totally preventable. It wasn't like, oh man, Arns just headshot me. What can you do? You know? Right. Yeah. It was like, why are you standing there? Like, you're, you're trying to get killed and then you do mm. get killed. Like, what's, what are you doing? Um, and Toronto was just slow and decisive. Like, I don't know. It's just weird. But then, um, I, again, I, I still need to catch up on the Toronto-Houston game, but I heard Finale was pog- pogging out. Extremely like good. Yeah. yeah, I heard he was brilliant. So. Yes. That that Queen Street, was it? Yeah, it was Queen Street. Um, Queen Street in general, the Tracer, I think that was like the map that like solidified Tracer's like situation in the meta for me, where it's like, it's not as good as Genji, sure. But like the things that it gives you, the backline pressure, even trying to use it as tank busting on these more flank oriented flat maps. I think it is, it is a very viable pick and is something that I think you're going to see an increase on. Um, And then for Houston, I think it was a mix of a lot of things. I think Toronto played very, very well. It was a different team entirely. I think they adapted to Houston playing a little too overly aggressive and, and chipping away at Pelican and really review like, if, if anything, I think looking at that Ilios in general and watching how low everybody is for 99% of the time, like Dante's permanently low Pelicans like zoned off the map, like at 50 HP, like flying around trying to find value. What like Toronto was able to do from a few days of like mental prep. I don't even know. Like it was, it was very, very good. Definitely a level up. 
I I felt like the Pelican Echo should be punished. Yes. And I and, and I'd, I'd have an argument with someone in my stream about this as well. I was like, dude, <laughs> who would play Genji? Genji is so rubbish. Everyone should be playing Echo. I'm like, <laughs> should they? Because uh. Echo just dies to Soldier. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and you can't just use this one Houston game as like empirical evidence. Like, oh yeah, because Pelican came on at Echo. She's the best hero now. It's fucking Pelican. He's like one of, if not the best yeah. Echo player anyway. Like, not every team can just do that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But even then, like theoretically, the, the the echo should you know you're playing a straight flying hero in a heavy soldier meta. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, you, the the soldiers should just destroy you. Like, and the Anna even if they look at you. So you mm -hmm. have to be. It should be quite hard to play echo in that meta, which is why Yaki only found limited success, and he's a pretty decent echo. But he only found limited success, and Pelican maybe finally got punished a little bit. Um, yes. And then, you know, I kind of memed about it already, but then there's the whole Dante t uh, uh, Doom tank thing where, mm -hmm. you know, people people 180 flipped from, oh man, the best Doom ever. And, you know, wow, Dante's invincible to like, oh my God, they got they, they can't keep doing this. They got to put piggyback in. They, Dante yeah. needs to play something else now. It's like, man, you, you, you guys need your really fucking hard on that one, didn't you? You so, hit the, I think you hit the nail on the head there, bringing these two things together because it, it, it ultimately led to Houston's demise against Toronto, right? Like Dante requires Iris's attention like almost all the time. And then you have Toronto playing a little slower. They're trying to catch this Dante engage, bubbling him off so Iris can't heal him. Then you have Pelican at 50 HP flying around trying to play for a health pack. I feel bad for this kid trying to heal his goddamn team because everybody's low all the time and you just see them crumble slowly but surely, losing all the space, losing control. We talk about push, but control in very much the same way. Having that first fight win, having that first touch, it does do a lot of like good for you leading through that sub map. Like it is very important to win that first touch. And Toronto was there. They looked fantastic. Everybody was playing well. That back line. I, I don't know that I would agree that, you know, they got diffed. I think that was just a poor performance for them against Washington. But like it came alive. You saw Cho Rong and all of his his yeah. his fat wallet. You know, Twilight looking like what we know him to be. Finale impressing on the tracer. Genju also wasn't that bad. Like, it was a good game. Houston just has to... It, it was a little late for them to adapt to the adaptation, but they have to, like, look at that map and, and kind of reverse engineer it coming into week two, or they're going to they're gonna face some issues. We know Yiska's got something banked up about Houston. I mean... Come on, let him have it. Okay, so <clears throat> I felt pretty confident about this being a close match, mm. uh, even after what we saw, saw on day one. Um, I think it's a reality of, especially earlier iterations, that you, more so than power rankings or power levels or tiers, you have specific matchups. Uh, interacting with one another differently, right? Mm -hmm. So while I don't necessarily think it doesn't say anything about the relative quality of the teams and makes a tell about where they yeah. sh should be, it more so communicates who plays into uh, who well, right? And okay. the, the difference, I, I don't think necessarily that Houston just forgot how to play Overwatch 2 uh, no. overnight. 
I think this is a legitimate step up from the defined. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it is also just how they played into each other. So Finale, I think, stepped up. I think that backline, man, like, they looked bad uh, against Justice. Honestly, like, we were talking about it, but I'm not sure if diffing is, is the right term here, but, oh. like, Krillin the team and just Krilling and Opener didn't look worse than Twilight Sharong in that game for that one match, right? Agreed, agreed, agreed. Yeah, I agree. But there are reasons why that is, right? And how people play into each other. So mm. um yeah, I still felt pretty confident having having had some of the scrim information. And um I will say here full full uh, transparency, Toronto wasn't wasn't doing well in the week uh before the start of the league. They actually, they feel like a very on and off team. And I feel like we got an on and off team this weekend. Yes. Yes. Well, we certainly saw both sides, didn't we? We saw the off and we saw the on. Yeah. And when they were on, I guess they're really, really on. Because when they're off, you know, talking back on the Toronto Twilight, I expect that to be one of the best back lines Mm -hmm. in the entire league. And yet, Krillin and Opener looked as good, if not better. Uh, And that's probably because Toronto Twilight probably didn't play that well. But, um, Everyone thought Opener was going to be garbage, and he actually looked pretty decent. He looked, he looked, yeah, more than serviceable. He looked, uh, yes, definitely yeah. reasonable. Krillin actually impressed a lot. Krillin was yeah. hitting some nasty shots. I was like, wow, Krillin's doing, yeah, yeah. Krillin, Krillin doing some stuff, you know, in that Washington game. So, um, I, I even, you know, this is, and I didn't actually have the screen bucks on this, but mm. from what I had seen in the Alpha, I expected Assassin to play Genji over Decay because mm. Assassin really impressed me in the Alpha, but. Obviously, Decay came out and played, and he looked good. He, looked, you know, he was he's Decay did Decay things. Uh, Mag came back, and you interviewed Mag afterwards as well. I think you know. I don't know if it's like, oh, is Mag back now? But you know, certainly it's it's not the sad state of what we saw last year as far as Mag's personal performance goes. Yeah. So there was a a lot of stuff happening, and then that was reasonable for the justice. I didn't catch the Dallas Justice game, but I have to assume you know Dallas woke the fuck up and just mm. played like. Dallas, you'd expect them to play. Yeah, 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 for sure. Now, and and definitely in some ways, for sure. I I will say, like, if that backline can keep it up, I think I undervalued Justice this season, man. I think oh, they pump the brakes on me. That I think like that that DPS line is still pretty cracked. I think we saw Happy mm-hmm. playing up to his potential. Man, Decay still ain't washed. He's still doing oh. his Decay things. Agreed there. If Mac can then stay on the Doom like he did and like vibe with the team in the way he did, then mm-hmm. I think this is like, yeah, man, you can lose against Dallas. I, I'm once again, I fully expect that Dallas will be a top three team in an A when the stage is done. I saw nothing this weekend that would indicate otherwise. Um, so yeah, I think. I don't remember where I put Justice, but I feel like it was pretty low. And therefore, I think that's one of the teams that I will have to course correct on in my predictions on. Because in my mind, if this team was ever going to cause waves, it was probably going to require um, Vigilante to come in later in the season. Apparently, that mm-hmm. wasn't required. So... We're good uh, for now. Uh, if Krillin keeps us up, they might not need him anymore. Yeah, they, <laughs> like, might, they might not need Vigilante. He has Krillin might just be better. Like, well. he's, yeah. I was super impressed. Agreed there. 
I had Justice, I think, uh, eighth place in A. Did I have that? 13, 13 global, eighth in A. So Outlaws 5, Defiant 6, Mayhem 7, Justice 8. I don't think that's an unfair place to put them. Obviously, you know, they beat Defiant, so they beat a team a couple ranks higher, at least in my standings, in my uh, mm. power rankings. But everyone, everyone's kind of beating everyone a little bit right now, in most cases. Yep. I think uh, I'm I'm play I'm I'm happy where Justice are at right now. Definitely some positive performance, but I need specifically one thing to change, and we will get to that in the preview. Um, any final comments about scrim bucks or how that's kind of panned out? Now that we've seen a week of gameplay, <sighs> how does everyone feel about uh, you know all the different takes and rankings and? Scrimbucks exchanges about how we thought it was going to happen versus what actually happened. I can't wait for this uh this this charlatan to continue to try and peddle some some weird NFT bullshit when, when as we get deeper into the league. I hope those scrimbucks are continuing to flow. We're going to get outpaced. Is this same. where you're trying to like add me on to have the same reaction I had prior to the broadcast and I completely pop off on people just making way too early conclusions because they just like to shit on Nobody's 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 making too early conclusions, but reading the tea leaves, I don't know. <laughs> That's hook line sinker, dude. Like how how this is I, I, I understand that there is a there's a certain like there's a reason to hate Scrimbucks. I don't want to I don't want shit to be predetermined. I don't want like to not understand or like to not have access to them week to week where I could have more insight. And that mm -hmm. feels sort of like an elitist thing to talk about. At yeah. the same time, I see all you motherfuckers putting like New York in, in the bottom three of like your power rankings based on your on paper estimation of Yaki, Kellen, fucking Flora, and then tell me you didn't take... Uh, Scrimbox into account, you're drinking the Kool Aid the entire time, my best dudes, while telling me it's, uh, it's so uh, that this takes like shit. Oh, I can't <laughs> believe how bad Scrum was. Come on, man. You're drinking it all the time, and especially the NYXL take. How did that, that turn out? Did they play like their on paper strings, or did they play like their Scrimbox take? Oh, they played like exactly how we all thought they would. Based on what? Based on based on what show? <laughs> no, there there's nothing wrong with with using a little little scrim bucks and using a little bit of your eye test and using some common sense and going, yeah. wow, look, like we have a nice even prediction. Yeah. But when you have assistant coaches cooking their own books and saying, oh yeah, we're actually besting, we're actually being competitive with the chalk. It's actually fantastic. So uh, I don't know where you're gonna do. Make sure to put right. that in your article. Make sure to put I, you know that into the ether right. that we're 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 keeping even with the San Francisco shock. And in the Dallas fuel, yeah, no. we're actually we're actually coming close to that. Yeah, the the thing is, you can't take the opinion of the coaches that of their own teams as much. You can mm. corroborate the information of what you've been given, right? Sure. I would say, like, yes, NYXL is a team that can absolutely like go up because their on paper strength is higher, right? I'm I'm saying like there are very real reasons, some of which we have seen with the Vulcan signing that was very clearly mm -hmm. like a 
uh, an indication of them having issues with visas and getting quality practice time. And all of that is manifesting. And I honestly think they even overperformed their situation, mainly also because they tried to get something um, innovative out of the gate. I think like True. what what probably would have happened if they had just played meta. I think there's a jointed mess between Kellen and Yaki happening. The echo sort of forces a a unified tempo that and that feedback loop of that unified tempo is like if you don't like Yaki can't go in by himself as echo. That's not a thing, yeah. right? You need the bubbles. You need the coordination and whatnot, right? So mm. in that, I thought it was a very smart uh, adjustment. I honestly think like they're like then the, I think what I wrote in the stock exchange became sort of more true, mm. more so than what I said on TCP about their scrim bucks, which was like they are the worst team at the moment. They, it, in the stock exchange, I said like they are doing decent thing against the bottom tier, and I still stand that they would probably be beating the Titans, the Spitfire. Oh, for sure. They probably would beat the Eternal. They would probably beat... Here we go. Boston. The next, thing, the next team is Uprising, Maybe. so you have to... Maybe. Maybe Boston. Well, that's that's a good match at least, right? It's a decent right? game. Yeah, it's a decent game. So we're out of the woeful ter territory. At least for me, I'm not sure where you're. They're in the mid. They've entered mid. They've entered mid. Like they're I mid. said, they're mid team. Yeah, they're the yeah. mid. So I feel like that in itself is is a take that held up. I mm -hmm. think now at the same time, I I fully conclude or confess it's way too early to tell. But just like on the level of play that they've uh, demonstrated, mm -hmm. I think the Scrimmage Stock Exchange didn't say that Fuel was still dominating the meta. That was a thing that I said on TCP, I think, two weeks before the Stock Exchange sure. came out. Yeah. Right? Where mm -hmm. a new me meta developed. And I mean, my dudes, we're playing Genji. Of course, Sparkle is going to pound some uh, butts the instant he get gets to touch that, right? <laughs> Like mm. you got to keep up on that. Pounder. So, um, okay. Let me let me actually see. Okay, where Grimbox failed was probably Spitfire. I don't. I didn't see them stomping Titans, and I feel like there's now uh, also in how they portray themselves against. The shock. I feel like there is a tear break between those two teams. Um, even though I will say Titans also had a little bit more say in the in the uh, uprising series, of course. Maybe they just totally underperformed there. But I feel like they are given the the performance we saw of all of those teams, there's probably a different tear break than the uh, stock exchange was making. I feel like I the the, the uh, stock exchange got justice a little bit wrong, but not overly so. Keep in mind, I don't think the way the stock exchange works is, of course, you do not have direct scrim comparisons between the teams that are actually playing each other in week one. They're actively avoiding each other in order they to don't. save strategies, right? Yeah, of course. So the most relevant data especially while the meta is still volatile, 
is mm. missing prior, but the relative strength of those teams over like the entire field, those are being ranked. And a team in a particular matchup punching up one tier is not of particular importance to me. I think uh, the Outlaws winning against Fuel, Outlaws were tier two in terms of like, they were the most like, uh, one of the two teams that were the most likely to get into the top five, even though as I said, Toronto was probably going to be it. You be the judge if, I, if that held up. And then... No, 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 you be the judge. How do you feel on that take? Do you feel like that was accurate? I feel like it's too early to tell. Okay. But yeah, the, I, I mean, that, by by beating uh, the Outlaws, they've at least established that they're, you know, not totally outranked in that situation, oh, right? They agreed. could still yes. very. There's still a probability that they are in the tier that I ascribed to them. I think agreed. the most likely situation is that the Justice joins that, those two teams in the, that tier. And... The other upset was, um, what was the other thing? Houston so, Dallas. Houston Dallas and Justice. Those were teams that punched up one tier. That, like, on a sample size of two, doesn't doesn't say anything about scrum bucks. Maybe the order of which Outlaws did it to fuel is something that should be of note, and that's probably also a stronger case. I think the way fuel rebounded and Outlaws played against a defined sort of relativizes that point. I think we need more uh, data points. But if you guys keep, like, tweeting some garbage about Scrimbox, every time you do that, I become more obnoxious. I'm, I'm, I'm huh. weaponizing retweets this season. I'm doing it. You keep increasing my power. See you, at, <laughs> see you in the QRTs. This, this is where you think you're in control, right? Like, you, you understand that we want that, right? As a man of the people, I will tell you, we want you to be obnoxious. We want you to gloat because it's a it's a vicious cycle. When you gloat and eventually get it wrong, like you did with APAC last year, then it comes to bite you. And then we get it in return. It's a it's a it's a never-ending cycle of hatred and love. It's fam it's fantastic. See, the problem in all of this is my self-conception is absolutely counterproductive. Because I'm I'm a person that inherently <laughs> wants to be loved by everyone while uh -huh. pissing off everyone. That, sure. those, are, those are incentive structures that inherently can't work. No. So you're just going to make me sad. But I guess it's for the greater good. And if you, if you need a pundit villain, I guess I'm just going to uh, you know what? become a Irvin and be a demon. You can, you can achieve that with a lot of money. True. You, know, you can hate everyone, but still have everyone love you if you just have a lot of money. Anyway, I, well, I look at as we round out the end of this, I, I look at Scrimbucks as kind of just, you know, a tool to set some expectations and otherwise just to, I don't know, have fun. I think some people probably take it too seriously yeah. and that's where, that's where the trouble comes in from. Like, you know, guys, at the end of the day, you know, it's just, it's just a, it's just a, it's just a laugh, you know, just have a yes. bit of a laugh. It is a laugh. It's a nice, it's an informative piece. It but, is very useful. But I would say, more so than the Scrimbucks preseason. I think this is, this is the th one thing that I can legitimately say. And every, every coach, probably but Rush, will tell you this. Everyone takes scrims very seriously. Everyone tries to win scrim maps. Some teams will tilt and then start thro throwing. 
But overall, scrim map win rate very closely maps season mm -hmm. standings at the end of the uh, the season. There yeah. are some outliers, but the norm is that if you were to compare scrim win rates against the relevant Overwatch League franchises, also you would have to calculate their you know masses and their mm -hmm. selections and blah 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 blah, uh, because like some teams don't scrim others because they're too terrible and whatnot, right? But if you all mapped it out and balanced it correctly, I promise you, you would have a very strong pred predictor on um, yeah. on the season outcome. And if you're a better, there's no better source for you making massive money than getting yes. your hands on scrim win rates. That would be literally your holy grail and you were going to become a millionaire. Like, Agreed. Well, if, if people are betting enough money to the, for you to, sure. to get the wins, but yeah. Uh, or if you were bidding enough money for the odds. But the point is, I, I I think some people look at scrim bucks as not a predictor, but like a literal fucking crystal ball. You yeah, know what so I'm saying? Like, like a yeah. truth-telling oh, machine. This is not a 100% uh, you know, truth rate or whatever the fuck. 100% mm. accuracy. Oh, you, know, you, can't, you can't use it all. I Here's the thing. I don't buy scrim bucks 100% because no one should. But I also don't buy any sort of talk where there's definitely some people, even even like you know people that are in, in every other way respectable, that'll say like, "Oh no, you can't trust scrim bucks." Like, oh, you trusting scrim bucks is a mistake. You know, those things aren't. You know, you can't you can't bank on that. I'm like, yeah. you can't like you can't entirely ignore it either because, like you said, like the, the, they are a predictor. Like generally speaking, they will give you pretty accurate expectations about, about what can and will happen. Um, so while you shouldn't believe it 100%, you also can't ignore it 100% either. It's, it's got to exist in there somewhere. So in my experience in esports, scrim results have definitely translated to real results as well, but you know, there, there will be, and will continue to be situations, um, where teams will overperform or underperform for whatever given reason. Like I'm sure. And, and that was, that was proven when you look at where Dallas were, they, yeah. they 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 shat the bed versus Houston, then came back really strong versus Washington. And before anyone's like, "Oh yeah, but it's just Washington," but it's like, "Yeah, but this this entire circle of suck started because yeah. teams will over and underperform." You know, it, 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 these things are natural; and they will happen, and that doesn't mean that invalidates scrim bugs. It just means on the day, someone can shit the bed, or someone could get you know they could get really nervous, or anything anything could happen. So. Also, um, realistically, don't underestimate my blind spots. I don't have perfect, like, Excel sheet access for every single team where I could corroborate the exact number of wi wins. Mm. No, there's some teams I don't have any connection to. Sure. Uh, there's some teams, uh, of course, it's way harder to keep track of APAC, mm. right? It's, um, there's game of telephone going on where i'm being told stuff that then down the line becomes less and less true so mm -hmm. more so than what scrim performance is also consider that there's a definite loss in translation as it comes to me and then uh how i interpret these because once again like this is also going through the filter of like yiska understanding what people tell me and if you mean that that scrim bucks in that sense are unreliable, I have less beef with you than you saying scrim whatever people do in scrims is not um, so re representative. The end takeaway is 
New York probably did as well as I thought they would. Vancouver, London probably did as well as I thought they would. I actually had London above Vancouver, so you know I'll take that W. Um, everybody else, I think it's all fine. Like, yeah, okay, I'll put I'll put Field NA number one, World number one, whatever. Most people, pretty much everyone, put Field NA number one, so I feel like that's not out of the question. Um, I feel like the only thing that really changed for me was you know Outlaws and Defi Outlaws in particular really impressed a lot more than I expected. Uh, Rain impressed more. I'd probably move Rain a couple places up right now, even above Shock. Maybe that'll change when Shock plays some better teams. So, yeah, I, I don't think I had too many major surprises from this opening weekend. What about you guys as we finish up now? This will be the last thing we talk about. Surprising. Um, strategically, I, I didn't think there was going to be like a reliance on soldier Genji, right? I, I think, you know, on our preview, we talked about it being like the North star. And I took that to heart as like, yes, like that is going to be like the lion's share of playtime, but like, we should see some other stuff. We should see maybe some tracer, maybe some Winston, maybe some Doomfist. Like there should be like a very, you know, sizable pool of heroes that, that can be played. Um, and that expectation was definitely shattered with how much, you know, Zarya was played, how much, you know, uh reinhardt is seeing some use right it's not a lot but it's it's very interesting and when it comes out um doomfist the diva i'm less interested in seeing but there is you know some some play time there um yeah i think that that would probably be my my one takeaway um that surprised me was just how many heroes we, we got to see and hopefully that continues for the most part i could see less hog and junk but that's just me <laughs> All right. Two, three, one. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. It was a good show. Uh, that does it for our North America region previews. So, guys, now uh, let's let's get into our APAC previews.